which you click. Great. All right, let's do it. Right. Legion of Superheroes number 285. We aren't beating around the bush today because there's a giant man flying into our spaceship. Yeah. Anybody home? This cover, this Pat Broderick cover is actually pretty sweet. Got a lot going on. Yeah, I still, I don't know if it's the Raphael Tanga. I don't know if it's the Inker or something like that, but I I will say some of the, it, I think you said it last time, it lacks detail. A little bit. And yeah, it's just like, it's just interesting. I mean, in a couple issues here, we're going to go from it looking very Bronze Age to very modern age. And I feel like the Broderick art still looks kind of Bronze Age, even though it's, you know, 82 I feel like we were getting a lot, we were starting to get a lot cleaner art at this time. I don't know, though. I mean, I was I was looking at some more John Byrne art because, you know, when I talk shit on somebody, then all their art shows up in my Facebook feed all of a sudden, right? Like, it's like, it's like every, like in, in somebody, so I'm in some group I'm in, like somebody posted John Byrne, the best X-Men artist. And I was like, what? no. How, how's this getting here? <laughs> first off with Dave Cockrum and Jim Lee drawing X-Men before how could anybody ever say John Byrne is the best X-Men artist and then I saw like people love John Byrne for his uh, Fantastic Four run too and it just but it it looks like this it does look like this and maybe that's it right like maybe it's just too Bronze Age for me you know maybe it was the great style at the time right and then I'm looking at it going now I'm looking at it going it's not the art I grew up with, you know. Well, like I think with the Fantastic Four, uh, with that with that particular run and that type of art style, uh, you're getting that look run. It was, it was different, and it was something that you were like, "Oh wow, this is its own thing." And you're reading it, and you're like, "Wow, this is cool." And this is, this is dazzling, me, right? And then you get it in this, and you're like. Yeah, well, and I think too, like, and just knowing, just knowing the history, like we talked about with Dave Cockrum, like drawing all those new costumes and and Byrne not changing a lot, right? But then you know he got to invent some new costumes as he went too. So I have to, it's, it'd be you know, and with Legion, I give Cockrum and Grell a lot of credit, and we're in this transition too because Broderick is drawing a lot of the Grell costumes, and but there's some. Uh, different touches to it right like he's adding i don't know i feel like he's drawing Starboy like as if he was from like 1977 like how my dad's sideburns were when i was like three uh yeah yeah but it's um it's yeah i mean there is some of it i mean comics always run a little bit behind i think that's why i liked cockrum so much because the comics didn't behind we just started off heavy with artists now but why not i mean this is the whole point of starting with the legion here we're starting with the new creative teams so i think we've got one and we're gonna have another creative team shortly okay so the writer will stay the same but it it goes but i mean i don't know we should bounce into yeah. this i mean on the cover we've got a giant we've got colossal boy who grows to a giant size he's he grows to be a giant size boy and i think that i think that microsoft being creator would block that image if i asked them to create it if i said <laughs> if i said microsoft being draw colossal boy j- growing to be a giant size boy i think it would block it you would say uh this is uh not safe detected unsafe comment content yeah we can't, we can't make this for you sorry we're protecting you <laughs> but this i do this is a really cool cover there's some folks on a ship and like colossal boy just is crashing through the front of it why what do they do with monel and starboy well remember these were the organ runners oh, from the yeah, last organ. last time so remember the organ runners went away but organis came and then block defeated organis so that's where we we left off organis who will be seen a hundred million times again as a villain or or never <laughs> uh i think he's seen like one more time but yeah it's yeah but it was an okay it was it was a nice story wrap up we solved the problems on medicus for one and now we're we're gonna go after these folks and in classic star wars episode one two and three fashion the villain from the last movie gets defeated in like the first three pages so yeah uh, but we do get, uh, uh, well, we first off, we get an M- MPC model, ah. the best model kits, Darn. 1981, copyright. Oh, my gosh. I I will say, I remember model kits. Like A this. Z28. They're yeah. Styling. They're very hard to do decals, wet them down. And try to them off. Now it's like a rub-on sticker. 
Yeah, those decals were a pain in the ass. Uh, like I did planes, I didn't do cars. Uh, those, those were hard. And the the real the and I had the little paint too. I I didn't it didn't last for me. I did the the model thing. I did a couple, and I was like, yeah, this is this is enough. Painting was fun, but also uh, tough because you're using the painting. And you can't you can't fix it. Like you know, you mess it up. You're like. Oh no! What did I do? I guess I got to paint the whole thing, and then you end up with a you, know, you got a really cool blue model, and then it ends up like you want to put fire on it, and the whole thing is like now it's red, now it's yellow, now now the whole thing is you know, this orange color. It's kind of like a Bob Ross painting. Like he paints the cool mountains in the background and the stream, and then he has to put a fucking tree in the middle. And you're like, why does this shitty tree here? Um, and then for those of us that don't know what we're talking about, if you like some relationship, if you if you if you know anything about Warhammer, well, you're doing that. You're doing what we're talking about. So don't make fun of us for painting cars because you're painting little fantasy figures. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah, speaking good. about like, I mean, Warhammer. Like, I will, I I will tell you this. Uh, my writing partner, Mike Tanner, for for Jimmy's he has like fallen into the pit of the Warhammer figures, and he will be sitting there, we'll be working on stuff, and he's like, "Hold on a second, I, I gotta finish this," and and he will be painting something, and then all of a sudden, just a, just a, a stream of of expletives will come out, and it's like, "What what happened? I gotta um I gotta fix this really quick," and it's like this whole entire shoulder piece is just like messed up, and like ten minutes goes by, and I'm like. There's no fixing that, dude. You messed it up. <laughs> well, what's well, no fixing for this comic book is the fact that it was written by Paul Levitz. <laughs> <laughs> Drawn by Pat Broderick with the inks by Bruce Patterson. Uh, inks on the cover by Raphael Tangel, because you can see his name really big. Uh, Gene D'Angelo is a colorist. Uh, Patterson uh, lettered. So it looks like Patterson lettered and drew. And Mike W. Barr, future creator of Batman and the Outsiders, yeah. is the editor. I, you know, I, I we joke we joke about Paul writing this. I, I, I will say this going into this book, I, I, I didn't know what to expect, and this is a roller coaster of a story. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it right off the top, roller coaster of a story. I didn't know where it was going, and boy, oh boy, it it's got ups, it's got downs, it's got loop de loops, and all arounds. Well, and I think one of the strengths of Levitz is, and we're two issues into his run, right? And one of the strengths of Levitz is setting up plot points that you can tie back yeah. to. Well, we're only in issue two of the run, right? So we are starting to see how he's able to plant the seeds for the next issue story and then continue it. So I will say that, is he at is he at the point where it's seamless yet? Um, no. It's a little clunky. It's a little clunky because I, uh, and I even said this in, in a conversation between episodes, what did you make me read? Because this book did not marry up with what I read in the previous one. At first, I had to read it twice to, to, yeah. to go, okay, okay. And then as I read the next book, it kind of all, it, it kind of fit together. The, the tapestry kind of wove a little more. Yeah. So it's definitely, you have to read them all, obviously. I mean, it's not like I can just pick up this book and go, oh, yeah, that's that makes sense. It's, it's definitely meant to be read together. Yeah, but it's, it's be, and the interesting thing is Levitz himself said it's not meant to be read as a, it's meant to be read as a serial month to month too, not meant to be read as like a graphic novel. And I think that is part of it too. He plan it's like a it's watch it's like watching old television series where they expect you to wait a week as opposed to watching a television series all in one sitting. Yeah, right? you can't shotgun it. You have to let it settle a bit and then go to the next. Because I read them now, back to I, back, and I was like, yeah. what? "What? I had to. I, I, I literally I I messaged you and was like, "What's going on? I don't like yeah. this." What? <laughs> And I will say, too, I think as he gets better at it, you can shotgun them. Uh, but because I both read them as they came out monthly as a kid, but then went back and would reread them, you know, in order. So I think he does get better at you know, well, not even get better. Once he establishes the universe, 
then you can start shotgunning because now the universe is established and you have expectations for the characters. So you don't have to spend as much time. You don't need as many words to describe them because the reader is now in love with the character or is familiar with the character and their personalities. But if the characters come in and you have a book of 25 characters and they don't really have established personalities, right? Yeah. I mean, there are a few established personalities and now you're a new writer on the book, right? And it's like, okay, well, in my first two issues, I'm probably not going to be able to establish personalities for 25 different characters and supporting characters. And so I do think like, I, I do think a lot of these early stories with him before we get to the great big story, which was the point of reading this, right? Were to start establish some of the personalities of the characters and he puts them, I think you've, I think he does what you have said you do as a writer. He takes these characters and puts them in situations you wouldn't expect them to be in. And he uses those unexpected situations to establish the characters, right? So in this case, I said, I look like the cover they were going to fight the organ legger guys, right? But no, that's not it. It's not what they're doing at all. Um, but it, the cover sort of looks like the last you know, issue, right? right? Where they're doing that. And this is one where I will say, um, one of my, I hate when covers don't have anything to do with the inside. And this cover has pretty much nothing to do with the inside. It was, which also I think makes it confusing. That's where I was lost because I was like, Oh cool. It's going right back into the, that was, I, I had to pick it up from the last thing and then get into the, to the story. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> And that's where it seems disjointed because when we get her, we ended that last story, the last issue, and now we're starting a new story with, and I, I mentioned to you last episode how Levitz was really good at taking segments of the 25 characters. In this case, he has five, right, on a mission. Yeah. And writing with them and then transitioning to another set of characters, right, like in, in the book. And so you're starting to see, see this. But yeah, I get when I reread, because I kind of was wondering what you were talking about at first, but I get how it seems disjointed because the cover makes it look like it's a continuation of the last story. But it's not a continuation of the last story at all. Um, now they're uh, at a place called Nullport and we get a story called Night Never Falls at Nullport. And I just thought we were going to get a different perspective of that story. And uh, yeah, and now we're on, we're on to the I know. different new story. Got it. Moving we're on. on to the next mission. Next mission. Right. And here and, and two. So since we got all the Dungeons and Dragons references before uh, in the last issue, it is written sort of like a D&D campaign in the sense is that you do a mission, you complete that mission, then you send out another group off on another mission. Right. And then you've got some missions going on on the side. So uh, kind of think of it from that perspective as you're reading it, too. Mm -hmm. And all these missions then are working up to the big one. Yeah. But Night Falls at Nullport, we it, we don't get the Encyclopedia Galactica reference, which is annoying, but it does says Nullport is a dry dock for the massive fleets of the United Planets, shipbuilder to the universe, port of call to legionnaires in search of new starships. And so I do think it's funny. We're starting out with literally a group of legionnaires going to pick up their toys <laughs> from the toy store. Much, yeah. <laughs> and... Colossal Boy is really excited because he says, I've been flying Star Buggy since I was a kid, Star Boy, and I never thought it took all this to build one. I'm like, so I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Colossal Boy is the brightest bulb of the Legion. What? No. <laughs> but we still, we do start to establish some of these things too in the characterization. Uh, so, you know, if we look at the first page, they've sort of established, he's starting to establish Star Boy as kind of this curmudgeon, right? That points out the obvious all the time. Yeah. And in a couple issues, too, it'll really show out. You're going to be like, yeah, I wish he'd shut up. Uh, uh, we have Monel, who's just completely in love with Shadow Lass, and the two of them are always just with each other all the time. Except, you know, we have basically Superman in charge. Superman just hanging, wanting to hang out with his girlfriend. And there's poor Shrinking Violet just standing there. I'm just standing there. Hi, <laughs> like, I'm here. And, uh... Uh, we get to the next page and we get some banter and some character building. And I'm not going to read all of the banter, but it is exactly what we were talking about. And then Starboy makes a flip. And I don't think, I don't know, I guess they had a point in this. Pat Broderick had a point when he was reading the script. I don't see anywhere in the script where it calls for Starboy to make a giant gymnastics flip. And I just never thought of Starboy as a character that would be making giant gymnastic flips either. So it doesn't seem to me like the writer and the artist are on the same page here. 
like what in his power set to make things super heavy increase their mass has him doing flips I mean, sometimes you feel like you just want to you know i mean it's cool art you got the cool art of colossal boy shrinking down and then star boy doing a flip it but it, cool. but it doesn't really <laughs> character match at all in any way said hey this is gonna look great on the page let's Let's do it. Well, we get, and I think that, like, I, I would challenge to, like, I read an interview with Pat Broderick in the Tomorrow's Legion, Compan- Legion Companion, which you, you cannot get anymore. Yeah. I can, it's right here. I'll show yeah. Greg. None of you can see it. It's very, this is very good for radio. I'm showing Greg my thing. <laughs> and I, I read um, an interview with Pat Broderick, and he was like, his biggest regret was only getting to stick around for a couple of issues. And as I read these, I was like, well, it, <laughs> I'm sorry, Pat, but like, I'm sort of glad you only stuck around for a couple of issues and did Firestorm and other things. Like, I love that, but this is not a jam. Well, it's just not, it doesn't fit with the, it doesn't fit with the character building that Levitz is doing, right? He just seems to be trying whatever he wants to. And then Levitz is trying to write the characters. Around and I, f- I feel like the next creative group does a little bit better job, you know, hitting that. But okay, uh, so but I have the hindsight. I have hindsight, right? At the time, if I was reading this, I'm like, okay, Starboy did a flip. You know, I'm probably overanalyzing Starboy's flip. <laughs> and then remember how I said Colossal Boy maybe isn't the brightest bulb? Well, the yeah, uh, they're on like a low gravity asteroid, and one of the ships starts to fall over, and Monel races races in to save the workers. And Colossal Boy tries to grow. Now, this is also some story inconsistency because he grows and then he like starts floating away <laughs> and he's like, oh, the gravity was too low. But like literally like three minutes. Oh, he was kneeling down. Yeah. Okay. But I swear he had just grown. So like, did he not know that already? He, he forgot in, in a couple of panels. Yeah. Uh, but their ship crashes down and their brand new ship is broken. Uh-oh. And now they're, uh, and Starboy is like, oh, maybe this is their way of increasing business. And they're like, stop. <laughs> stop making fun of everything. And they can't find Violet, but she shrunk down and she gets rescued. So now we have some wreck ships and we've got the startup for the Nullport story. So he's laid the groundwork here for four pages and they set up the mystery, right? What were you saying? You're making fun of him, calling him Sue Grafton <laughs> yeah, last yeah. time. With all, the, with all the characters. I was like, so many characters it's so hard to track everything but here but here we go you got five pages and he took five characters and he set up a mystery yeah and then transitions away from it i mean admittedly uh you were saying sue grafton but i find the same problem with george pirate martin (laughs) yeah i mean he like try to listen to instead of reading right try to listen to game of thrones oh yeah no i have i have the uh audio it's a nightmare to listen to. You can't, it's impossible to track everything is going on. And so it's not, it's not bad necessarily. And of course the Legion has a billion characters and that's one of the criticism of the Legion over time, right? Is that there's too many characters for people to access the book. And that's why we don't bring it back. And of course, when they brought it back this last time, Bendis just has all these characters standing around the background. You don't know what they're doing. I don't think that's the right approach to writing the Legion. Like, I think this is a better approach. Yeah. Yeah. You need max of 25 for tax purposes. Well, and, and that from last, but also just from a reader's accessibility standpoint, I do agree with that, right? Like if you put every Avenger ever existed in one issue and had them just all standing around, oh, well, you, you wouldn't do that, right? But when you do it like this, where it's like, hey, okay, here's five characters. We've set up, uh, we've set up the story over five pages. Okay, now we're, now we're going to transition to Orlando, right? And we're going to go back and follow up on what was going on with, karate kid and princess projectra which he set up last issue right, right? right when karate kid says hey there's stuff going on here i'm gonna stay here so this is where where i will say you do get to start to see the seed how he's able to plant a seed and then go back to that yeah. seed so if you did read the last issue you know something's going on here and now he's Doing going back to it yeah, yeah. And, and i and and when i when i opened that when i looked over that uh, it was like, oh okay let's make this okay so we start off with the new story that's going to be the main story of the book, but now we're going to tie in the subplots that he's setting up in the background. So we get Orando, a kind man once described it as one of the backwaters of the United Planets Federation, a less 
kind Encyclopedia Galactica, a less kind Encyclopedia Galactica says, a primitive superstitious world still wrapped in a feudal culture, much like Earth's Middle Ages. I'm still trying to figure out, like, if you think in the Star Trek context, like, this world never would have been invited to join the United Federation of Planets in Star Trek, right? Like, this would have been a big Prime Directive issue. Right. The Prime Directive wasn't really introduced to Star Trek until, like, what, 88 or 87? So, when Next Gen, so... When did Next Gen cast start? Uh, <laughs> That's a good question. Was it 88? Uh, I want to say 88. So, I just moved to Washington. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I think it was one of those things where I was super excited because a new Star Trek a new Star a new Star Trek is coming out and it was like my grandfather, my dad, and I were okay, let's watch this. And it was like three yeah. generations watching a show together. <laughs> yeah, and it was 87. Oh, I was right. September of 87. Okay. So... So, but that's why you're thinking 88, yeah. because that first season spanned. Yeah. And those seasons were long, yeah. too. They're like 26 well, episodes, so. So there you go. See, you would have, yeah. And um, we get a flashback to Orando and the king. King, isn't it Voxby? Anyway, Princess Projector's dad, who sent Karate Kid off on his mission so he could have his own comic book. The comic book Greg desperately wants to read, and I'm telling, keep telling you, there's no possible way you want to read that comic book. Uh, there's. Uh, I just want to read it because I know that you don't. Know. And he's basically like, Karate Kid's Karate Kid just came back from the past, and he's like, "Hey, isn't this old-fashioned for a rando?" <laughs> and they're making all sorts of lovey eyes at each other, and then the king starts sweating a whole bunch, and he falls over dead. And so we've gone back and they even reference karate kid number 15 he said great it seems like forever i've been waiting for you to settle with him that's what you know settle with him and they reference back to that series that was killed by the dc implosion so here we go and now okay so we had our interlude and now we're back to our five legionnaires so see see what they're doing here so it's like interlude okay we're back and yeah, I get it. It's almost like soap opera. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very. I don't say almost like it, it is. is. It's a space soap opera. It's a yeah. It's a future teenage soap opera. I mean, this run of Legion could absolutely be on CW. It, it actually, yeah, no, it could be, and it it would be. I think it would be watched. <laughs> it's very yeah. If they could get to pay for the graphics and everything. Yeah, it's very. It's it's very interesting and character wise. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of stuff going on. Well, we meet her. her, 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 her we meet Cher. Um, I meet her and her wrath. The so this is based off the Gulliver's Travels characters. Characters. The the horses and Gull. It's got to be right. I haven't read an interview that says this, but it's got to be based off the horse characters in Gulliver's Travels. The Hwin Hwinth or whatever they were. And because it's even the same kind of like spelling with the name, but it's a it's a guy with a horse. It's a horse basically that stands up. Is that? Yeah. And he's the general manager of Nullport. He's smoking a cigar and he sounds like he's a New Jersey used car salesman. Definitely. (laughs) Come on. I made a bonafide offer to (laughs) you. I tried to make it Boston there, I think. Yeah, But I mean. I'm going to have to have you do my East Coast accents because I can't do any of those. Uh, I'm going to come out of Boston, too. Like, uh, so, uh, I made a bonafide alpha. What, what do you want? What do you say? You know? What you... Can't do no better. And he's like, it's expensive to run Newport. <laughs> Perpetual sunlight from the energy field. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, we've got a wheeler-dealer used car salesman trying to sell, sell ships. And, though, I do, like, this is the type of writing you talk about, though. Yeah. Get Do the fish-out-of-water thing, right, for folks, and then see how they interact with it. Yeah, and it's, it, uh, it makes it interesting. It makes it really, I mean, you got this, this really interesting character. And in this case, we get Starboy, the, the character he writes to criticize stuff, is now the one, like, actually, like, he's criticizing it. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> we, we need to see the doubter, right, is the one, like, critiquing everything, which does make sense. So I like how he'll place the characters, too, in the conversations to do that. And then uh, we get a big crash and a rumble, and there's a planet quake. Uh, not an earthquake, right? Because the Null Port's an asteroid, not a planet. So once again, Colossal Boy's right on it with his names for things. And 
Anyway, another ship has crashed. Monel has to put out a big fire. All the legionnaires go into action. And then uh, some guy tries to steal everybody's dogs. <gasps> no. Batman gives him some Twinkies. Uh. And then they capture him and everything's fine. Uh. Okay. Yeah. Again, I, 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 I read this and I got <laughs> all tripped up. I thought, oh, man. I mean, Batman. Batman cutaway. No, it was another advertisement. Coast just got me. Yeah, and then uh, we get all the big, powerful boys squishing up things. Uh, but Violet, who... And, and Shrinking Violet has had some interesting character turns through her time. And uh, without... <laughs> we're... It's... Pay attention to the character over the next couple issues. That's all I'm going to say to you okay. and see how she changes. Yeah. Uh, but... Hint, hint. Okay. <laughs> but... Uh, and Legion readers will know what I'm talking about, but it's uh, I won't give away the mystery for you. I'll just give you, I'll plant some seeds for you. Right. And we're not going to get to the resolution of it either. In this reading, I'll talk to you about it offline, what they do, but the, uh, she shrinks down and she does some investigating and there's an internal group. You're going to meet very soon. I'm inside the Legion. It's some long term is called the espionage squad and chameleon boy is their, their pseudo leader. And then, like, Shrinking Violet, Duo Damsel, who's on reserve leave, right? And Invisible Kid, who there isn't one right now because he died, remember? He was a statue. Yes. Yeah. But they were all part of this group, and it was something that dated back to the Silver Age. And so Levitz is planting seeds here for that, too, because Shrinking Violet, instead of just passively staying around, uses her power to go actually solve the mystery. Huh. But we're going to have to wait because we get an end soon. <laughs> And then we have Starboy reporting back to the monitor board with Brainiac 5 there, letting him know what happened. And he's like, basically, hey, we can't pick up the new ships because there's a mystery and we've got to solve it. And Brainiac 5 is like, okay. And then Bryn, Timberwolf, and Ayla, Lightlass walk in. And the ever super intelligent Bryn Londo, who's been led around by his girlfriend telling him what to do, changes appearance, everything else comes in and says, Oh, it's the cuns. And make sure you say that name, right? When you say it, <laughs> just be careful. Yeah. And the cuns are basically the, the Klingons of Legion. If you didn't, so they're there. And Levitz used them last time because they were in the earth war storyline that he, those kind of last big thing he wrote before he went off the book. And they were invading the Earth. Was another group called the Dark Circle and a giant wizard called and a giant wizard. wizard. Yeah. Very, des very descriptive. A giant he's wizard. A wizard. Yeah. He's giant. Does wizard things. Well, he was also on Legends of the Superheroes. Okay. Yeah, more Drew, the giant wizard. Yeah. So, it's a uh, yeah, and so you can see if if the the the, the Dark Circle and the Cuns. So the Dark Circle would be sort of... I mean, they don't end up being this way. But if you were comparing it to Star Trek, the Dark Circle would sort of be like the Romulans. The Kuns would be sort of like the Klingons. And then, well, Giant Wizard. <laughs> and then Q. Uh, yeah, Q wasn't invented okay, yet. So, okay. Giant Wizard. I'm going next gen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Though, uh, the Giant Wizard would get retconned a couple years later into being part of the Amethyst lore. So when they did re... When they re-upped... Yeah, so sword and sorcery books sort of go away, right? You have Warlord pretty much, and that's it. And that's basically Grell's project for a long time. And then Grell goes off the book, and Warlord keeps going. Um, but then Amethyst is sort of their next attempt at sword and sorcery. So it makes sense sort of to tie back the future wizard to the past. Bring the wizard back. Yeah. And I, I don't know. The people that read Amethyst loved it, and I, I that kept reading it loved it. And then nobody else knows what it is. So like, I don't even expect you to know the character. But that's okay. Anyway, uh, Timberwolf walks in and he's like, this is the problem. And banters on with Lightlass. And then Brainiac 5 down at the bottom and says, incredible, offhand, he has to be the legionnaire I'd give the lowest probability to finding his way home without a note pinned to his chest. But I may have to revise my opinion of that man, whom perhaps I should check the central files for the coordinates of the nearest gun base to Nullport before calling back Starboy. So, uh... The least intelligent of the Legionnaires, or I don't know, he's maybe not least intelligent, but most malleable, I guess, yeah, um, the, comes back in and just solves the problem. He's the one that he, he put him into the, like, the, he's probably not the, not the one I'd pick as the, as the, the one who's going to be problem solved. He's not the one I'd want with me if the, space, if the spaceship crashed to go ahead and fix the spaceship. 
but he could. I don't think so. Uh, he might. Mm, I mean, you'll see. Okay. Uh, that's probably a big okay. no. But yeah, it's, that's not who I'd want with me. But if I was going to fight somebody, I'd want him with me. So there, there we go. Kind of like a stupid Wolverine. Yeah. He's, 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 he's stupid Wolverine. He's stupid Wolverine. <laughs> we can't use the word stupid anymore, right? We're going to offend one of our five listeners. It's going to be, Dan called somebody stupid. We're going to dox him on on the X. I'm only describing the characterization that we're given. If you, you know what? If you don't like his characterization, you can, Paul Levitz is all over Facebook. You can go ahead and message him. Tell him you hate Timberwolf's characterization from 1982. I'm sure... I'm sure that Paul will will appreciate that comment and and write you back. We were listening to this podcast and they're talking about Well, we get uh, we get the they're back on Nullport and they're solving the problem now. Uh, Shrinking Violet has going down and into the circuitry. Monel is using his X-ray vision to help his well, he calls it his microscopic vision, see, so yeah. not his X-ray vision. Yep, to help guide her through. And she finds a Kundish device. Oh, no. And she says it's a circuit interrupter uh, rigged into the system uh, to set up uh, to receive distant control signals and relay them. And she's burning down the device to cleaning it up. And she comes back up and she's like, yep. Uh, and she's like, well, the Kunz could sabotage you in a new way. And she doesn't think the mess is cleaned up. And he's like, Harenth, Harenth is like, uh, listen, you could all sit back and stop using your powers for a minute and maybe figure out a way to keep the cuns off of Nullport. And so hey. I got the next transition in and a lot of talking. Yeah. And, 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 and Monel's like, we're legionnaires, not mercenaries. We're not just going to go beat up the cuns. And then Starboy chills it back and is like, Nullport's an obvious target for the cuns because of its importance to keeping UP's fleet. And good shape. We can't change that. Uh, we can't wreck the Kun's fleets either. There's too many of them. That eliminates a change, motive, or means of opportunity. And I do like how they keep Starboy being the guy that just... He has all the facts, but never the solutions. Yeah. But you always have that guy at work, right? Oh, so uh, I got all the information. Still know how to use it. <laughs> right. And so, but, you know, and this kind of shows those character interactions too. And then uh, we get a tie back to the Earth War. You can even, there's even a reference on the page to LSH 241 through 245. So Paul Levitz is even threading back in plots that he had 40 issues ago, which I do think is kind of cool. Like, I like how he uses the history there. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Bringing it back. And we get a really goofy looking uh, guy flying a ship who murders his own kid because the plot failed. That doesn't seem very nice. No. And who is this guy's name again? Garon? Oh, no. Galmark. Galmark? Gal- Galmark. Warlord Galmark, yeah. Gar- Garan is his son, right? Yeah, that he's son. about to murder. Was his son. Yeah. These guys aren't very nice. Uh, worthy. Well, here come the Legionnaires, and this is where you get the front page. So I guess I shouldn't say it doesn't have anything to do with the front page. And you get the giant colossal boy yeah. flying at it. I guess it. Uh, it I just thought it was part of the other it did it did because well they went off chasing that other ship right and then they went back and they never really resolved that and uh we get a note they're all talking in space we get a note down at the corner and and i'm going to point out some of the cool technologies that are introduced by levitz through some of these things too so we get a really note there it says the legionnaires communicate in airless space with telepathic plugs which that brainiac 5 made for them so they got bluetooth right (laughs) and that's how they can talk to each other okay and right now they're still wearing their silly space helmets. And this is where, too, I think, like, Broderick, like, he's doing the art and it looks kind of cool. But then, like, there's still things he's doing with the art. It's like, why would they have little bubbly space helmets in te- 1,000 years in the future? Like, I think they probably would have figured that out. I don't know. I, you know, it, it's very Silver Age. Yeah. It's very 60s it art, right? Sort of combined with... The Bronze Age art. Well, they take out the Kund ship, they disable it, and they solved part of the problem, right? Yeah, that's not And then what we find out is the Kunz couldn't find it because Shadowlass has covered the entire planet in darkness. Ooh. She is powerful as hell. Yeah. If she could do that. A little OP'd, maybe? Maybe. That was, that's a lot of power. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
they finished with the Cuns and they hid Nullport, and now they're about to move Nullport. <laughs> and Starboy, again, are how overpowered are the Legionnaires? Like, why do they even need to fight in a, fight in a group? Here's Starboy, and he's using powers to create a gravity for the entire planet, for the entire asteroid. <laughs> it's like, damn, okay. And I, I mean, it does make sense, right? That's how it would work. If you made a body super dense, yeah. then it would create gravity, yeah. right? So, and that is his power is to create density. You know, the old, the, the Silver Age explanation of the power was to the Silver Age. And by the way, for those that don't know, I don't think we've said this. Starboy is Dan's favorite character. <laughs> so I could talk about like every iteration of Starboy. Uh, what I would say to you is that like, um, they do start to play with Levitz really starts to play with the power a little bit and then others build on it later. And it's the it's the power to make things. He draws gravity from the stars to make things super dense. Right. So the explanation in the golden age was or the silver age was like you had light last who made things super lightweight and you had Starboy that makes things super heavy. And years, years, years later, they do like a Legion of Three Worlds story. Like they have different versions of the Legion. They're all in the same story. Drawn by George Perez, which oh. is, is insane. Yeah. Uh, but Brainiac 5 is like, looks at Lightlass and looks at uh, Starboy and is like, you all have no idea how powerful you are. <laughs> like you can manipulate gravitational forces. That's insanity. Right. And later, Jeff Johns takes Starboy and basically retcons it to say, like, his suit was created by Brainiac 5, and it is a map of multiverses, and he can create micro black holes and go through them. And there's also Starboy shows up, Starman, Starboy, this version, Uh right, shows up in Kingdom Come, the Mark Wade painted, you know, with Alex Ross series, right? And you're like, and, and people, well, Mar- I, like Alex Ross just painted him in the story because he wanted him in the story because yeah. he wanted to paint the character's suit. <laughs> uh, but they they have built this whole like mythos around that, right, with the character. So really cool things they do later with the character, um, which leads somebody like me to love this character over time, yeah. right? They do a lot of things with the character. We're not going to see a lot of it here. Uh, he'll be reduced to being Dream Girl's boyfriend very soon in these stories. But for for the short term, but yeah, I mean, it's just illustrating how powerful some of the characters are in the story. And I like that, too, because you sometimes these characters or you would have the females with the passive powers, right? And the males with the really powerful powers. But here you go with Shadowlass, who's perceived as having a passive power, right? Blanking out an entire asteroid, right? In darkness. You have Shrinking Violet, who's perceived as having the weaker passive power, actually solves the the whole yeah. <laughs> problem. Starboy, which, you know, it like, you know, creates a gravity well. Yeah. And then you've got the t- two perceived tanks, right? Monel and Colossal Boy just being like, dirt, 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 like, you know, like, so it, but it illustrates the point of having the Legion in teams, right? Like, why not just have a book where Monel goes around the universe and beats everybody up and solves the problems? I mean, you could, but then again, you don't have all this neat character interaction. And it, it wouldn't be, a, it'd be a very different book, obviously. Yeah, it'd be yeah. a different book. It, I mean, it, it would get boring. At least with this, you've got a lot of good character interaction, um, that team work, team building, and the type of story that is character driven, but it's also uh, a way to expand on those types of things where it has different people do. That makes it so that you never know what's going to happen. You know, you have expectations, like, oh, this person can just do this. And it's like, well, they could, but they're not going to necessarily. Or they don't know to. They don't know to. Or they have a character flaw that prevents them from yeah. that. Or they are not as intelligent as another character, yeah. so they need other characters to plan with them. Like, I think they're 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 t- they're, they're team building right and we we get to the last pay a couple pages and okay now it's monel's turn right like he's going to so and and you know if you look at the team makeup before and monel's going to move the whole asteroid right so he's going to go and if you look at the team setup we have colossal boy there and colossal boy there was to fly was there to fly the ships right right and then when they went to battle he became the giant guy but he didn't really do much except take it out right in space but he was there to fly the ships we had Monel and Shadowlass there because they almost always get sent on missions together because Monel is better behaved when Shadowlass is right. there. 
and that's how they illustrate the meaning. But then she uses her power for subterfuge, right? Shrinking Violet uses her powers to solve the problem. Starboy, mass inducing, and also the the questioner, right? And then yeah, Manel just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna do this. Look at me, I'm powerful. And yeah, I do think it gives you the contrast. And I think a lot of Legion fans too, sometimes when they would see Superboy in the book, would be like, oh god. Because it was going to be like them having a whole story, but then Superboy saving them at the end, right? Like the kind of Silver Age or Super Friends type story. And now without Superboy, it doesn't happen like that with Monel, right? Like everybody has contributed to it, yeah. and then they they solve the problem. So yeah, and then they get their spaceships and they get to fly home. Yay. And they've moved Nullport away from the Cun. So <laughs> I. And, and again, too, the Legionnaires making decisions without United Planets approval, but they think, you know, probably a good idea to move the shipbuilding base away from the border. Yeah, probably. Where somebody's trying to attack you. Yeah, you don't want that because, you know, it's you open for opportunities of uh, sabotage and destruction. <laughs> and then I can't express how much text there is in these Oh, pages. my gosh. It is a, a, it definitely puts the book in the comic. <laughs> but that's, that's good, though. It needs to be there. But not in a bad way, like we've criticized, like single hero title books don't need this much text, right? Those Captain America books we read didn't need as much text. I mean, this this definitely is for the characters that you're coming from, it's that, like like Dan was just talking about with the uh, character building and getting point understanding drives that portion of the story. And then we get a next, next, the return of R.J. Brand. Do you know who R.J. Brand is? I I don't, I, I don't air quote. Uh, for, for Dan and, and so that. But you read the next but issue. I read the next yeah. issue. And, uh, I'm excited. So you do. So I do. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't when I read it. Well, RJ Brand is who Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl, and Cosmic Boy saved on a Star Cruiser. And he's like, ah, oh, I should make these teenagers into a superhero group. Hey. And then we re- we meet Dr. Regulus. Well, we won't, we won't talk about him right now. We'll find out. Uh, and we get a flash also to a future issue because we're planting the seeds, right? Hey, the king is dead. Long live the queen. Back in Orlando. And, and now we're into a backup story. And now in the backup story, we get our future creative team of Paul Levitz, Keith Giffen, and Larry Malstead. Uh-huh. Randomly, Adam Kubert lettering. That guy would never go on to do anything. Uh, he would just letter a bunch of books, right? And his dad was terrible, right? I, you know, I... I... Yeah, nothing but, uh, but I can't even say that with a straight face. Gene <laughs> <laughs> D'Angelo on colors and Mike W. Barr, editor. Yeah, uh, I, Adam and Andy Kubert, man, they were terrible. I, that Joe Kubert guy was even I, worse. I, I think my 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 cousin had and she she opted to go to not uh, well, there you go. But it was definitely in her. In her <laughs> I was like, you should go where you want to go. <laughs> I would I would go there if I was you. <laughs> well, we get a new set. We have a backup story. Yeah. And uh, we meet the high seer. He's like, my heart is heavy for having had to summon you back to Naltor, my student, but our need is great. And Dream Girl is here, and she's like, I understand, Baron, but there is no other place, no place I would rather be than at the side of the High Seer of Naltor in a moment of crisis. Oh my gosh, there's a crisis on Naltor because all of a sudden, no one on Naltor can see the future. And that's the power of everyone on the planet. And since we've already established that Dream Girl's dreams always come true. Uh, no, no, no. We had <laughs> this, this devastating. discussion this before. Is- this is devastating. That they sometimes might be possible, but not always. like a like a magic eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, also, I just want to point out: um, Did we not turn the page, and then the art goes from lacking detail to extremely detailed? Yeah. Yeah. It's very different. <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> I mentioned I mentioned to you that we were going to turn the page in one of these books, and here's I think the first glimpse of it, and you're going to see the 30th century. And we turn the page, and all of a sudden you see the 30th century. Yeah, it's a wild. Even to the next page where they're sitting there with all the screens and they're looking at it, it just as soon as I don't know, just keep putting over Keith Gitvin over Broderick because I don't think the Broderick art is terrible, right? It's but it's just like 
one clearly has a vision for what the future should look like, and the other one is drawing the 20th century and the 30th century. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely art, and just looking at it through a different, turning that page. And I'll also say, too, like, I think uh, we're going to see a couple of different combinations. I think you need Malstead on Giffen. Because I think the inking, and I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that when we look at a couple of other of these, but I think it's the combination, too. Later, Giffen would have Al Gordon as his inker, too, like, a lot um, when he would draw certain things. But I think, like, the detail, the characterization, the facial expressions, really pulling even it out though... Making it more yeah. that, just bringing out that detail and, and touch on it. And I think we even get a panel, so let's flip. And, and what we find out, sorry, I was just kind of summarizing, too. There's complete chaos on the planet because uh, folks cannot see. And uh, Baron says, remember my child who has dwelt for so long among the short-sighted. It is painful for a man used to living in the future to have to wait for tomorrow's dawn. So everybody on the planet can see the future. And so it's interesting because they don't really have like a stock market, right? Because they all know how to invest in it, I guess. (laughs) I guess they all know what's happening in the future. And... I, I like this story like it, it 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 gets to it but one thing I wanted to share to you, with you too one of the things Giffen is criticized for is not drawing faces and so we get uh, three panels in a row on the next page and he intentionally draws Nero where she's facing down he doesn't have to draw her face yeah. but then gives her two really cool facial expressions on the next couple panels got it yeah uh, but what she she's taking charge, she finds out, and since since she's lived off world, she's figured out you know how to work around not always being able to see the future. And the other thing with Dream Girl is she's I guess the High Seer is supposed to be the best person about seeing the future, and then they train somebody to be the next High Seer. So her mom was the High Seer, and when her mom died, then Baron became the High Seer, and and she was his student, and then she becomes... And they do sort of play off this in the Supergirl series, too, with 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 Nia now, was her mom had had to escape the planet, and she ended up on Earth, and then she was supposed to teach one of her daughters to be the next High Seer, and then... So... And then... Nia was born as a born as a male and they had a female daughter and then Nia transitioned and then got the powers. So her sister got all jealous. That's how it worked in the Supergirl show. Um, And so they were obviously playing with contemporary issues there as well. Right. And and I thought they did it pretty well. And then here. Right. It's the same kind of deal. And so and they do reference Nura as her ancestor. Right. I mentioned that. So. Uh, but anyway, she captures some bank robbers. They obviously didn't. <laughs> yeah, takes them out pretty qu- pretty easily. And then, honestly, pretty easily, considering her only powers are to, like, see the future. And then she gets back, and she's like, still, it all has, it, it has all the comforts of home I've gotten used to, but my best work, doing my best work dreaming of the future in, in bed, it's hard to focus on this research. And so she's trying to figure out what happened. And then she's pining about how much she misses Starboy. Of course. Yeah. And then she says, you know, we get to the second page and it's a lot of, ca- of character building for her, right? So we're getting a lot of her thoughts. We're developing her character. And we find out a couple of things about her through this. One, she's really intelligent. She's a problem solver yeah. and she's a scientist. And they're going to build more on this because I think... I do think over time, like Levitz does a pretty good job establishing like she's there in the Legion for her powers, but she stays there because she's really highly intelligent and has a strong will. And you'll start to see this developed with the character over time. That strong will will also come back to bite her in the ass like four or five years later, too. (laughs) So uh, but basically she's able to save uh, Naltor and she flies back home to and then she can see the future again, and her future is to fly back home and see her boyfriend and live happily ever after. Yeah. But now we're seeing, like, and it ends up being, like, a very scientific problem she solved, too. I probably should have dropped that part in. They oh, yeah. had a stabilizer to stop tectonic movement, and that stabilizer was disrupting their dreams. And so she figures out the science of that. She also changed Light Lass's powers a long time ago in the Silver Age from Lightning Lass to Light Lass as well. So she's apparently pretty powerful. I didn't know you could just magically change people's powers. Apparently she can. I, I mean, she can. She's Naltarian science. Yeah. 
Well, we're off to the letters page. Letters page. Should we read one of these? Yeah, you got a good one for today. I don't really have a good one. Oh. Okay, okay. here we go. This is from the Ramblin' Jersey. I had a feeling from that's Raleigh, the North Carolina. <laughs> Dear Legion people, this is off the Reflecto Saga saga that we were we didn't have to. I didn't make you read. Okay, let me get this straight. We got a hero who doesn't exist turning out to be a hero who does exist, who thinks he's a hero who should be dead, yet probably isn't, while knowing he's the hero who really does exist and only pretended to be the hero who doesn't exist because he thought he was the hero who should be dead, yet probably isn't. Plus, we got one very confused Legion. No, make that one very confused Legion, one very confused reader. Anyway, I hope you find Ultra Boy soon and try to keep Supes in this his time okay. In this time, okay. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you wanted to read that story. So if you thought these stories were confusing. That sounded like a bag full of confusion. It was a bag full of something. Yeah, I mean, if he was, and, I mean, that, that, that was a lot. That was also a very long sentence. Yeah. That was a paragraph. That was, a, that, that, that was a paragraph. That was a sentence. I also do want, I also, I, I think it's good that these are here though, right? Because then we can see, right? Uh, we can see why Levitz has to go through all this work to reestablish the oh, characters, yeah, right? Because dealing with so many things, loose ends and stuff like that, and other things that that kind of made a, a very mixed bag for folks reading previous prior books, getting them all popular. Also, do you know about Legion leader elections? I do not. Well, every year, presumably, fans wrote in to vote for who was going to be the next Legion leader, oh. so they had a voting contest. Okay. And uh, I would just say we just got a dream girl story, which is maybe not maybe going to spoil this for everybody who's going to be the next Legion leader. Okay. Um, but sometimes the, the, the readership like to really fuck with the writers uh-huh. and say vote for the most improbable person to be the leader. Okay. And maybe Paul Levitt's had to spend a little bit of time on a character nobody else spent time on before because maybe the fandom was going to vote that character as the lead next leader. And so, you know, he, yeah, it'd, it'd be sort of like you're writing Starlight and then we get to vote on who dies. Oh. And everybody voted for Sarah. Oh, wow. That's a, why, why are you spoiling stuff? I mean, just joking. That's not funny stuff. You're killing Sarah no, in the next no, issue. Okay, not, I knew no, it. I no, knew it. I knew no. it. Okay, yep. That's it, fans. Don't even bother to buy it. You've heard it I'm, here. When the Kickstarter launches next time, we know they're killing Sarah uh, off. So, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm going to yell at Brett, and yeah, we're done. Okay, so uh, anyway, no, did no, you know? No, no, no. Did you know you could buy some Gil Kane Green Lanterns 41 and 50 for $6 from comic comics for collectors in Battleboro, vermont really yeah uh it doesn't look like comics for collectors has very good back issues honestly based on the look here it's it's like seems pretty pedestrian to me you get some uh well it looks like you get some batman stuff pretty cheap oh gosh you could get that original neil adams joker cover for 10 bucks hey i'm buying that you know, the famous one where he's holding the deck of cards, yeah, you know, yeah. the, yeah. This, uh, yeah. is this, this, uh, 1984 money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how much would, here, you want to calculate that no, for a second? I, how much would $10 be in today's money? Uh, 1981, $10 be. 2024 dollars? Yeah. Uh, I, I still think we're getting a good yeah, deal, we're getting honestly. getting a good deal, for sure. Um, Brian or a, a Circle K phone booth, <laughs> go back there and get it? Sure. I say, well, can I bring money from now and go back there and get it? Buy a couple. <laughs> We're going to have to go like go through a whole bunch of quarters and go find them and then show up in the store. Yeah, I'm good with going back in time. Though Teen Titans number one is definitely overpriced. They've got it at $15. I think I get it for that now. So <laughs> New Teen... Yeah, that's, that one dropped in price well, a little bit. It was, it was It was the hot, the hot book at the moment. Well, it was a hot. It was the hot book. It was a best-selling yeah, DC book. Was, so, oh man, it's, it's the hot thing. You get it. And it became the best-selling DC book, and then that's why you could get the. You know, they, people wanted to go back and find the older issues. Yeah, we didn't have the interweb, so it was harder to go yeah. back. Scrambling. Uh-uh. Local high schools to like pulling up these tables and getting all these books and just wrestling ring in the middle of the. I missed those. One, it looks like if we turn the page on your theme, we could go back in time and get a monogram model yeah. that comes with Kevin Nash. What? No. 
yeah. So it's kind of like working with you. Hey, my phone interrupted the podcast. So, but it's uh, yeah. So well, anyway, um, moral of the story here is that we had a story. Yeah, it progressed. Yes. And Greg got to learn more about five of the characters. And six, if we count Dream Girl. I, it, it actually, I mean, and got to see a glimpse of what the, the, the next uh, part is going to look like. I, I, I really, I, at first, like I said, at first glance, uh, when I first read the issue, I, I did read it like, right after the first book. And I I honestly, what's going on? I, I was, I was, but on the second read, I, I found it more like, okay. Um, reread this a couple days later and found it to be digestible. <laughs> well, and the good news is if you ever didn't find it digestible, you could go back and buy a whole bunch of different comics, you know, relatively inexpensively. You could get the first appearance of Man Bat for $12. And then you could slab it up and sell it for... <laughs> well, in that case, uh, I think it's probably time to wrap this one up and we'll go over 286 in the next episode. And uh, I do want to point out that in the Comics for Collectors book, we have Wonder Woman 203 and it just says a special event in there was Women's Lib. So on that note, if you buy a copy of, I teed you up, if you buy a copy Absolute of... Absolute Zeros? What, Camp Watchback? Yeah. You will get three things. What, what are we getting One, out? you'll get an MXPX CD okay. signed by Greg Smith okay. and Michael Tanner. Yes. Oh, hey, we're getting a Michael Tanner signature now? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, those are rare. That's true. And you will get some hair from Michael Tanner's old beard. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if he still has it or not. He did keep it in the uh, bag. That's up to you. That's going to be at the CD. Um, it will smell like vanilla cupcakes uh-huh. and... If you buy it, it guarantees the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment. A, you're, you're putting a lot on this. I, I can't. I, I can't guarantee any of these things. Um, so, uh. <laughs> I, I. I mean, that's what you guaranteed to me, and I've already pre-ordered. Okay. So, are we going back on this? Uh, I mean, and by the way, it's only if you buy the hard cover. If you buy the soft cover, well, Nullport will be destroyed. Curses. Yeah, and Harinth Harinth will will choke on his cigar. Oh. So I'm just letting you know. Um, and on that note, uh, do we have a date for Starlight yet? For Starlight, the, what the shipping is six or the or the launch of seven? Sure. <laughs> so six, I was just gonna say the launch well, of seven, but you know. Well, six I know that is that um, that Travis and I finished out our our red line, so we can record this. So we are getting that out back to Tom for. There you go. Well, of course it was it, a good issue. I mean, when it wouldn't be. Uh, and when will 7 launch? Seven will launch. Uh, that's a good question. Um, but still working on art. Uh, so we don't know. Uh, so uh, we'd like to get it more complete. More details. March slash April. Yeah, March slash April. Uh, okay, we'll look forward to it too. Starlight 6 should be coming to you within the next couple months. And Starlight 7 should be ready to launch soon so look out for that uh, when it does buy it because it's amazing and i don't just say that because i'm greg's friend i say it because just go ask other people they're going to tell you the same thing and uh and when you read some of the issues you want to punch greg in the face so you know it's just okay like so it always uh it always makes for good writing when you want to punch the author in the face or you know, become Kathy Bates and <laughs> and, and take care of them. So I, you know, it's gonna, it's good news. I'm not even gonna lie because that's like the you're third or fourth person now. I mean, well, you're the first person to this, but like I've had people come into the shop. You know, I really want to uh, I want to misery you, and I was like, what, what, what? And and they said that they won't have, you know, give me the for for things. That I have no control. As we should, as we should. I mean, clearly, I, clearly, you. I'm sorry that you wrote a story that you wrote a story that people definitely didn't care enough about to get invested I'm in. I'm so. so sorry that I have pulled on your emotional strings somehow, Travis and I. We just write, and we, we, we do these things. Although, I mean, like I said, uh, six, I mean, five, five did that to you. Wait, six? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with you. All right. Anything, anything, anything else you want to promote? Of course, you could utilize our lawyer, 
but in a training capacity at Certified Martial Arts, you can meet Paul Boudreau, the jiu-jitsu lawyer. You could go see the brand new art on the yeah. walls. There's a giant Goku. There's a giant, is it Freya? Freya? Yeah. I don't know. Dragon Ball Z characters? Uh, I, like, I don't know. I, like, I know. I, I, I know who Goku I is. Have to, I have to see the character. And then I could... Wow. Well, you haven't I, come to I see have, the character I yet, but you will soon. You'll have to come down here. And then uh, you could also visit the Retro Emporium on Meeker Street in Kent, Washington. And you can see Greg on the weekends. But you can see Anne all the time. And, and honestly, Anne's way more fun to talk to than Greg anyway. She She's really the one that should be on the podcast. So <laughs> it's... <laughs> She, uh, it would it's be a, to your advantage. It would be a learning experience for her. She, it's it's kind of funny to see her go back and look through the comics. It's just like, oh, this one looks interesting. Start reading it. I don't know why I picked this up. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, why do people read these things? Well, I've been reading these comics and remembering exactly why we read these things, thinking that they're awesome. So, uh, with that, <laughs> yeah, well, no, there's that. It's like, Oof. somebody else flights. <laughs> I'm like, they're good. Well, like yeah, then. There's the, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so, well, anyway, on, on the note of alpha flight <laughs> and, uh, we should probably sign off here on this episode. So I guess we're leaving and if we hit buttons, it will turn the podcast yeah. off. So we should probably hit yeah. some buttons. Yeah. I'll, I'll hit the uh, stop I'm, button. Yeah. There we go. All right. All right. Goodbye everyone. Bye. Uh-oh. Uh, I, um, I, I'm not hitting the button.